morning and welcome to the Auto Retail Live special webinar today in the Auto Retail Network uh, focusing on new entrants to the market from China. We'll be talking about the latest report uh, published today by Auto Retail Network in conjunction uh, with Autotrader called the New Entrance Report, um, which is a detailed look at the topic of uh, Chinese car makers coming to the UK. Uh, you will find inside that report commentary and insight uh, into the opportunities, as well as a full profile for each of the 26 uh, of the leading brands uh, from China as a page uh, on each of the companies, which includes a portfolio uh, of the products, the ownership of the group, uh, intentions for Europe, the size of the company, their approach to retail, uh, and even the contact details for each company. So thorough insight available from the, the, the report. It is available, of course, to buy um, from the Auto Retail Network website, um, and there is a discount for members. For those of you who've pre-ordered, uh, it will be delivered uh, this morning by email. Well, during our time together on the webinar this morning, uh, we'll be exploring uh, if the Chinese brands are an opportunity uh, or a threat to, to UK retailers. If your current brand partners, for example, are unable to supply cars for customers because of chip shortages, uh, then surely it's a no-brainer um, to think about cars coming from China, right? Um, Good-looking designs, high-spec, high-quality, low-cost electric vehicles, but will customers buy a brand that they've never heard of? Let's get started with our expert panel. We have uh, Chi Kang Lim, CK Lim, joining us um, from Shanghai this morning. He's Managing Director of Urban Science. Uh, William Brown is Managing Director of the IM Group, distributors of the Aura. You'll have seen the funky cat in the media. Um, William Brown joins us uh, today. And Ian Plummer, Commercial Director of Auto Trader, uh, is on the webinar. Your comments and questions, of course, are central to our discussion. Please do feel free to type in your comments and questions here uh, into the chat box in the webinar. They will come through to Tristan Young, um, our editor, and then we'll feed them into the conversation. Uh, you can also use the hashtag ARNLive. So let's dive straight in. Uh, CK, good afternoon. It's uh, four o'clock in Shanghai, nine o'clock here in the UK. Let's put some of the basics uh, of the Chinese car uh, companies in place if we can. Because China has been huge. It's been the biggest car market for new car sales, I think, since 2010, when it overtook America. And the new car market in China is about uh, 21 million uh, compared to Europe is about 11 million or closer to 14 if you add in the UK. And America is about 7 million. So that's a kind of scale of, of the new car market. But what's the structure um, of the industry? Is it all state owned? Who are the state players? Who are the big players? Give us a, a thumbnail picture, if you would. Sure. Uh, good afternoon for those of, those of you dialing from Europe. Uh, good morning, actually. Good afternoon for those coming in from Asia. Um, so the industry, of course, the like you say, is a huge, uh, largest car market uh, in the world. Um, let me just give you a, a in, in broad uh, pain strokes. You certainly have the foreign brands in China, uh, and this foreign brand operates in, in two manner, right? Uh, because of regulatory reason, they tend to uh, have joint venture with a local car company. So you see, for example, Volkswagen Group, the, the largest uh, brand here by market share, they have two joint venture, one with uh, FAW, First Auto Work, and then they have one more with uh, Syke, uh, Shanghai Auto as well. So uh, you do have a smaller 
group of foreign import brands. These tend to be the high-end luxury brand because the import duty for these guys are uh, a lot higher. And for mass market brands, they will not be very competitive uh, if they would import. So the Chinese regulation actually for the longest time has been uh, engineering the industry to focus on joint venturing with uh, the local companies. Now, the reason behind that is if you go back 30 years ago, so when, when Volkswagen, Toyota first come in, the industry here in China is really, really far behind. Uh, the idea here is to have the joint venture arrangement to upscale the industry, uh, both from a point of technical expertise as well as from sales and marketing. This goes to uh, the next category because we, over time, the local Chinese joint venture partners have actually become really, really good. Uh, and they are actually also coming up with their own brands as well, right? So the big boys include like what you alluded to, the state-owned companies. The big ones would be First, First Order Work, FAW, uh, Chang'an, uh, and also Site, right? So, some of these are owned by the post-state. Some of these are owned by the local government. For example, Bike, Beijing Auto is owned by the Beijing government, right? They all have their own product. and these guys are also having aspirations to go uh, overseas, especially to Europe as well. The third and last category that I want to talk about are actually the startups. These are predominantly the electric vehicle startup. And they appear in the radar probably within the last eight to 10 years or so, right? And some of these names are alien to you because they're only coming to Europe, um, particularly around uh, Norway and Scandinavian country. Uh, these startups are actually very different. So um, they, are, they are not too different from Tesla in the sense of many of these startups are founded by founders from the, the digital uh, tech companies in China. So you have Neil, you have Xpeng, the founder of these companies are actually from, from, from that space, right? And then uh, you have other startups uh, that could be launched by an existing brand. What you're seeing here is also... Um, or similar to what Dyson was doing, launching an electric vehicle brand, we're seeing Huawei, we're seeing Xiaomi. These two are actually more consumer electronic, um, mobile phone brands. They are also getting into electric vehicles as well, right? We even have um, um, the startup from uh, Evergrande. Evergrande, you might have heard of them from the news. They are the largest indebted uh, property company that are facing some struggle they actually have a huge electric vehicle startup that's listed in Hong Kong as well. So broad, broadly speaking, I will classify the um, industry to, to be these uh, couple of uh, uh, big buckets. Great. Well, that, that's a really helpful um, picture. It, it paints a picture of it. Question that comes to mind is, is why the UK? I mean, for example, we drive on a different side of the road. Um, the Chinese and, and mainland Europe drive on the same side of the road, so you don't have an engineering issue in going to Europe. So, so in an possible way, why are we talking today about a huge market being interested in the United Kingdom? Well, first of all, I'll answer the question, why Europe first, right? Because, well, obviously, US-China relationship means that uh, it's a lot more difficult to export cars into the US, even though that's a much bigger market. Um, I think you know the, the previous administration slapped on a huge tariff, 20 or 25%. Whereas in Europe, uh, the import policies are a lot more favorable. I, I, I read somewhere that the 
the tariffs is somewhere in the order of 10%, right? So that's the number one big reason. Now, number two reason would be for Europe. Um, certainly, uh, the adoption of electric vehicles is a lot bigger. Uh, we know Europeans are leading the world when it comes to uh, having a sustainable sort of lifestyle. So I think Europe has become very attractive for these two reasons. Now, to answer your question, why UK? Uh, UK would always be among the top three or four markets in, in Europe, right? Um, and we typically we talk about Europe, we're thinking about Germany, France, UK, more or less in that order. Uh, so the attractiveness of UK vis-a-vis uh, -vis France and, and Germany are as follows, right? Uh, number one, Germany being the biggest market, unfortunately, comes with also extremely strong incumbents, right? Uh, Audi, Mercedes, Volkswagen Group. And these guys are doing very well in China. And, you know, there's always a perception that it's going to be a lot harder to uh, upstage the incumbents. Um, probably not necessarily a good thing. Uh, in the case of UK, uh, your existing native brands tend to be a little weaker. So there's a perception that maybe there's a, a greater chance of success. Uh, I'll add one more factor. Uh, there's actually a lot more closer relationship between the Chinese and UK brands. So you have MG, you have Rover, very iconic UK brands. They are now under Chinese ownership. So I think there is a, that, that ease of that, that familiarity uh, between the Chinese and, and, and the UK brand as well, right? Now, the, the right-hand drive, left-hand drive is a factor uh, for the smaller volume players, like some of the upstart EV brands. Uh, but for the larger players where they're making a lot more you know, volume, uh, not really a, a big issue because besides the UK market, you have you know, parts of Southeast Asia, uh, parts of the Commonwealth and Australia, New Zealand. That's also uh, very suitable markets. So I think the market is large enough uh, for the Chinese brand to, to make the, the right-hand drive version for the UK market. Let's take a look then at the consumer perspective. By the way, thank you for joining us uh, this morning uh, on the Auto Retail Network new brand entrance webinar. If you have comments, please do uh, share them in the dialog box below, or you can use Twitter, hashtag ARNLive. I'd like to bring in Ian Plummer, um, Commercial Director of Auto Trader, a huge digital platform. Um, you, you have insight, Ian, into consumer behavior. So in the UK, we have well-known brands, MG, Polestar, Volvo, all Chinese-owned brands, whether consumers are aware of that or not. But Ian, what's going to happen when some of these names that, that CK talked about, Dongfeng, Hongqi, Xpeng, Chang'an arrive, is that going to have any impact on consumer behavior or will it be like mobile phones? We don't care whether it's a Huawei or an Apple. Well, I, I, I completely agree with um, CK's comments that uh, the UK consumer is is uh, very far from being sort of nationalistic in uh, in their behavior. Um, we've seen that in the kind of sectors you've just uh, described, but we're definitely seeing that in automotive for sure. Um, to, to go back to your point about whether people recognize which is the sort of country of origin of a particular Brand, I'd say two things. Firstly, an example would be Ford. I think an awful lot of UK consumers would probably think Ford's a UK brand. Been here for so long, it feels that way, sounds that way. Does it have an impact on what they buy? I'm not sure it does. Second point would be fundamentally that we can see that people are considering far more brands today than they ever used to when they're looking at our platform. Typically, 
Um, buyers are looking at more like 14 or so brands now. They were just a bit more than a year ago looking at around 10 brands. The addition of choice, I think, is only a good thing from a consumer's perspective. And the UK consumer shows themselves to be very open to that increasing level of choice. And um, with the sort of lack of general supply in the market just now, lack of supply of electric vehicles, lack of supply of affordable uh, electric vehicles in particular segments, um, there's a there's a, f- a fair amount of sort of back doors being left open that I think these um, new entrants will be able to uh, benefit from. And um, the, 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 the UK buyer will flock to a product which they believe is of high quality or of relevance to them. I think from we, we can see in the behaviors of, of our audience just now, firstly, they're saying that they're very interested in electric vehicles, which is great. Sort of one third of people expect their next car to be electric. Um, that's ahead of the market share we're seeing today of around 15% of new cars being electric. But actually, when we can look at behaviors, roughly one in four of, of new car leads this year on our platform have been for electric vehicles. That's risen through periods of fuel shortages or fuel price rises and so on. But it's been around that kind of level. So there's really strong intent. But then people lack sometimes the, the ability to go further because there isn't necessarily the right answer to what they're looking for. I'll give you three different examples of the kind of thing that we're seeing now in the demographics of the data that sits behind the, the either buyers or even the intenders that we see on our platform. So firstly, you can see Tesla and Polestar, high-end products, uh, very design-led, um, high-tech products and so on. They correspond, as most EVs do, to a demographic of people looking on our site who are generally wealthier, older, of higher social categories than the average car buyer. They're de- definitely seeing an answer there that they haven't found suitable sort of answers for in previous products, Leafs and Zoe's and so on, or early generation electric vehicles. So those products have done brilliantly here. Polestar, for example, uh, is now doing so well in the UK. I believe it's probably their second leading uh, market now behind probably the US with the rental deals that have been done over there and so on, driving volume in that market. So it shows propensity of the UK buyer to get behind a brand new product like that, a brand they've not heard of before. Second example would be Kia and Hyundai that have done brilliantly moving from what you could potentially call challenger brands maybe 10, 15 years ago to being very much established players now who are transitioning to, a, again, a higher demographic, higher value demographic, shifting their brands forward. Their cars, their EV6s and Ionic 5s are being looked at by the buyers of German aspirational ICE product. So they're radically shifting the kind of... Uh, potential market area they're going into. But then the last example would be uh, another Chinese player, of course, you mentioned uh, MG doing brilliantly on our platform, um, generating huge followings, and in fact, more ad views of their, their, their electric products than Volkswagen, Nissan, and Kia combined in the first half of this year, essentially because of the affordability of their product. People love seeing it. Like I said, they've got intent, consideration, but then they can actually translate that intent because of the affordability that MG have brought to the market. So all of that leads us to believe that there's definitely a, a strong opening for these uh, these attractive products to come into the UK market. Okay, so we've pulled together some understanding of the, the brands. We've pulled together some consumer insight. Um, I'm introducing now William Brown, Managing Director of International Motors Group. Uh, IM Group's been around since the 70s, uh, well-known probably uh, best of all for Subaru, Isuzu, uh, but also um, bringing now the uh, Great Wall product uh the Aura Funky Cat, which actually I saw this week for the first time, um, which looks uh, and feels, uh, if you took the badge off it, just like a normal Western uh, car product, exactly as CK had said at the start. William, your experience as a distributor bringing in uh, brands means that you will have looked 
across the portfolio of opportunity. You have experience with Japanese and, and Korean. What, therefore, are the retail models that um, new entrants are looking to use in the market? Because we're living in chaos. Is it going to be agency? Is it going to be hybrid? So for a retailer uh, joining us on the webinar this morning, thinking, well, is China any different? What are the models that the Chinese uh, car brands are looking to use? Well, um, they're looking at all the models at the moment. And if you look at the Chinese companies that have come to market, there's a combination of everything, direct agency and the kind of more traditional approach. Uh, and it really depends on the um, direction of the brand. What, what do they want to achieve? Is it, is it more important to achieve great brand awareness and establish a great brand? Is it more about market share and gaining that market share quite quickly? Or is it a combination of the both? Um, so it's, it's very much a, a direction that's led from the top. But I think a lot of uh, Chinese brands looking at Europe look to see what everybody else is doing, of course. Uh, and there's a whole, as you, as you mentioned, there's a whole kind of mixture uh, across the industry of agency and uh, traditional retail. Um, so it really, it really is uh, dependent on, on, on the brand's direction and also the speed that they want to come to market as well. Um, obviously, uh, Great Wall Motors um, have come to market in quite a short space of time. Uh, and when you look at the different routes to market, um, it's uh, the most efficient way to come to market in the most, uh, that's the most effective in that kind of space of time. And there's other, obviously new Chinese brands now that are also coming to market that pe maybe people haven't heard of, heard of uh, but are coming quite quickly at quite a fast pace. Uh, and so it's quite difficult to set up an infrastructure such as um, agency and direct in quite a short space of time. The, the, these take many, many years to kind of set that up, as you can see from some of the traditional OEMs that have been planning this kind of two, three, four years in advance. And is there any difference in, in characteristic in your dealing? Because I say you've had the experience of Japanese and Korean and, and now into Chinese. What are the different characteristics in the way that business is done or expectation of the market? Um, well, it's a, it's a kind of learning process. Um, so um, there, are, there are some different characteristics. I think uh, the ambition of the Chinese is, is very, very high. Uh, I've been to quite a few uh, presentations now. Uh, and um, they're setting their heights, they're setting their targets and their objectives very high in terms of kind of what they can achieve. And, and I think they can achieve it with the products that they've got through and the infrastructure they're putting in to factories, resources, people. Um, they're hiring, hiring a lot of very experienced uh, Europeans from the automotive industry in all backgrounds. Um, so this isn't maybe kind of two or three years ago, there was kind of some test markets in Norway um, and places like that. But now it definitely feels that um, uh, the Chinese are coming and um, they're here, here for the long term. CK, can I bring you in here to, to reflect on what William has said then in terms of there's ambition um, there from China, big ambition. Um, what's the relationship like typically between the Chinese car brands and their retail network because in in the uk there's a long history of course there's you know there's tension but there's a long history of understanding what's the relationship like between chinese car brands and chinese retailers yeah uh well think about it right so they're used to working with the retailers in china 
And the characteristic uh, of, of that relationship is pretty different from the Western world, right? First of all, in, in China, there isn't very strong uh, franchise laws. So dealers are actually not that well protected uh, compared to some of the Western market. Uh, at the same time, it means that the, the, the structure of the dealership market here is, uh, I would say, I think it's given its own liberty to evolve. Uh, and, you know, um, I think William talked about uh, franchise model, direct-to-consumer model. That has been a very distinct direction we are seeing, right? I would add to that, uh, on top of just the sales model, also the type of format. Um, in China, we're very used to seeing innovation in terms of the, the type of retail format. And we're seeing a proliferation of uh, dealerships, showrooms, being located right in the heart of the city, right? Uh, in glitzy downtown shopping mall. Uh, I know I know you see some of that in, in Europe, but the the, the amount of, of showrooms coming in, in these shopping malls are tremendous to the point where for the some of the latecomers they are not being able to find spaces in, in the malls, right? And they have to pay a lot of price, a, a, a lot of um, rent for that. So uh, the other point to make here is the, there is the concept of a win-win, okay? And there is very much a Chinese culture. So it's not so much me, the brand win, you, the dealer lose, right? It's always looking to see what can we do together so that both of us win. And I think that takes a much more collaborative approach, say compared to some of the Western brands. And I think the there's also the aspiration to bring some of this innovation in terms of agency direct-to-consumer format, uh, as well as the, the, the showroom uh, alternative retail format into the UK market. But I think um, last thing will be the Chinese brands are also humble, right? Uh, they know that UK is a very different market and you know they can't just export the sales model directly from China to, to the UK and expect success they would like to learn as well, right? So I think, you know, these Chinese brands should be uh, very good partners for dealers in, in the UK to, to aspire to work with. You're watching the Auto Retail Network new brand entrance webinar. Your comments and questions uh, we're gathering. Tristan is uh, collecting and we will come to those shortly. You're more than welcome to uh, add your comment or question into the, the chat box. Um, William, William Bram um, from International Motors. William, long experience of distribution. You will be in constant dialogue, no doubt, with retailers um, in the UK who at the moment um, may well be making some good money out of uh, limited supply, but limited supply to a trader is a bad thing. You know, you want more to be able to sell. So is the appeal of, of Chinese uh, car brands the fact that you therefore potentially have an unlimited opportunity to grow your business that is not happening um, with, with Western brands who are constrained by chip shortage and a battery shortage that the Chinese aren't? Mm, I think it's a very good point, Al. And uh, certainly the Chinese brands do have the advantage with supply of some of the component issues. I wouldn't say they're, they're not... Um, they're not affected uh, because the demand in China is so high that the, the, the amount of batteries being produced isn't uh, enough to supply the market. But certainly they're, they're better connected. And um, from what we understand from speaking to our partners, um, 
I wouldn't say it's unlimited, but it's certainly going to be in a lot easier supply um, than some of the Western brands. And, and Ian, what will the impact um, be on the rest of the market when there are new entrants? We'll, we'll come back to, in fact, we'll come back to CK in a minute, actually, in terms of timing. But, but Ian, first of all, what do you think the impact from a con- consumer point of view and from, from a retail perspective will be this addition of a whole new load of brands? Are there going to be losers here or is the market going to grow? Well, there could be losers. I think there could be losers if there isn't a reaction. But I think just about every established OEM is more than reacting right now to the to the need to rapidly evolve their their electric vehicle ranges and so on. So, the supply issue could be a, a, a challenge for some of them, as was just touched on. You look at the uh, size and scale of the Chinese market; is it is I think worth taking stock of because we it is obviously very distant to most people on this uh, on this call over in the UK, but. The Chinese market has probably reached an inflection point in terms of its uh, speed of growth. It's probably doubling this uh, this year, reaching about a quarter of sales that are electric. But given its scale, that's 6 million cars. Um, that generates a huge amount of economies of scale and it allows the brands over there to actually produce vehicles, obviously, more effectively. Many of them have battery integration in within their businesses as well. The Chinese market, by all accounts, re- represents around 80% of overall battery production. So battery being a third of the cost of the electric vehicle, you can see the kind of maths here that, that makes sense. From the data I've seen, the Chinese producers at the moment are exporting around 3% of their cars. European producers actually export around 33% of their cars. So there's huge space for the Chinese brands to grow. They've got huge volume, and I believe a, a, an economy of scale already inherent in what they've been able to build. So that will be challenging for existing OEMs, but I think... We're seeing the buildup of, uh, of volumes in other European and, let's say, uh, Korean, uh, Japanese brands, equally American brands too. So they've got a, a plentiful chance to succeed. The key, I think, will be raising awareness for their product. One of the challenges we've seen there is, um, from a consumer point of view, on our platform, we've seen products rise very quickly to the top of the lead tables of most visible new cars, and nearly all of those new cars have been electric. So many new products coming to the market, one every week on average. We've been seeing this year and mostly for the last year too. So choice is great. We're turning heads. But if you're worried about supply and therefore launching a car, gaining visibility, but then immediately pulling back on spend because you've got no supply, you're very quickly fading from the view of, uh, of the consumer. Somebody else comes along, turns your head. So that's good for anybody looking to come into the market with supply because the heads are being turned. Consumers are, as I said earlier, very open to these new products. But if you drop off people's radar, then you could be in danger of struggling to get back in. And, and some of the, I think, existing established players out there have got a challenge in as much as they've had products. Imagine the Focus, the, the Corsa, the, the Golf, the 3 Series that have been ubiquitous in the UK market, the European market, and worldwide. They've been around for 40 odd years. They're in their eighth generation. Everyone knows, your friends, your relatives know what they look like, how they perform. You probably had one in the past. Your dad can advise you on whether you should buy one. That isn't the case when you talk about the unknown quantities and even the unknown names of things like IDs or EQs or e-trons or et cetera, et cetera. So that's a challenge. You don't start with a really well-known brand. To give you an example, the Volkswagen Golf used to be so ubiquitous. It would figure in 200 plus of the top 10 competitor sets of equivalent products on our site. Um, it's now in roughly 25 or so, last time I checked, competitor sets. Yet the EV6 has ra- risen massively into prominence to be within um, more than 200 competitor sets. So from nowhere, a brand 
that's not known necessarily for EVs, Kia, but doing a brilliant job at it, with a brand new model name that nobody knew, but it is head-turning and doing a great job in terms of marketing and its product design and so on. It has really changed the uh, the paradigm for that for that brand. So it is an open market for people to penetrate into. If you don't react, I think you will as a brand see some decline and that's uh, happening in ICE products, but the, the challenge will remain equally in turning heads on the EV product for those established players as well. CK, before we come to, to questions um, and comments from our, from um, uh, people joining us on the call, um, timing, I, I, I should have referenced this earlier. What is the timing? Because we've got Aura with its funky cat, lots of PR, lots of out there. there are, there's MG with that's been here. What's the timing do you see for, for these companies of, of which we've got 26 in this report? Are they going to be here in six months or are they going to be here in 10 years? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I can't say to, I can represent all 26 brands, but my speculation will be the startup EV brands that I talk about at the beginning of the call, they are going to be extremely aggressive, right? Uh, why? Well, simply because uh, so many of these brands are listed or planning to be listed. And being a Chinese EV company versus being a international EV company, well, that's going to be very different when it comes to valuation of the company in the market, right? So these guys are extremely um, aggressive. And you're seeing Neo, you're seeing Xpong, they're already uh, starting to go into the Scandinavian market and are coming down south, right? Uh, Southern Europe as well. So I think these guys are there. Um, I would look at also the other group of players. So these are brands that are backed by very, very well-capitalized uh, state-owned company or even some of the big privately owned uh, companies like BYD, like Great Wall, like, um, and, and so on, right? Because they have uh, lots of capital, uh, lots of capacity, so they are not constrained uh, in terms of investing in the UK market. Uh, so they're gonna be also very aggressive as well, right? Uh, now, I think we are also seeing uh, some of the uh, lesser known brands, uh, the smaller players in, in China, uh, I think they will struggle to, to enter the, the China market, right? Uh, just want to make a, a particular point about Aura. So timing is one issue, but the scale and the size of the market in China means that you have brands that are very, very uh, niche. So Aura is a very good selling brand in China uh, because, you know, it, it, it's the price point and the cute design tend to attract a lot of young female buyers who are just fresh out of college. So you can imagine um, China's Chinese uh, brands are able to make very niche product, which in smaller markets, like say in Europe and Germany, it may not make sense to do so, right? So the point I want to make here is that the variety of product that are highly differentiated, that are targeted towards specific niche uh, buyers. I think this is, this, is a, this is one area that dealers might want to look at because you, know, you, you wouldn't have uh, such products coming from non-Chinese brands. First of our, thank you, CK. First of our questions coming through now from uh, Gareth Bailey. Hello, Gareth, thanks for your uh, message. Uh, he asked, uh, William, I'm gonna to come to you with this one. Uh, Gareth asked, what advice would you provide um, in engaging with new entrants, the Chinese car companies, with a view to securing a potential franchise agreement? William. I 
depends, as I said from the start, the, the strategy of the Chinese company to come to market. If we're talking about the traditional retail route, then um, it's going to be uh, firstly supply-led. So if there's an, an abundance of supply, then you'll see quite a um, quick turnaround in terms of dealer appointments uh, and coming to market. But if it's going to more, be a more kind of marketing-led approach, you'll see tactical locations around the country. Um, and at the moment, for uh, some of the brands uh, that, that obviously aren't going direct or agency, they'll be coming through the likes of a, a distributor like ourselves or uh, other distributors across Europe. So it's really kind of reaching out um, to those organizations that have possibly got already existing links with Chinese brands uh, in, in their own market. So it's, it's a case of, you know, the traditional distributor route, such as yourself, uh, I am. Mm. But but is there a, is there a model as well that that works? Perhaps CK is there a model that works as well direct? Would a retailer deal direct with China? Uh, it's it's relatively easy digitally, but actually, the the protection of a distributor um, provides that link between the two. Yeah. Well, what what we're seeing here is, I think um, there's a recognition that to go alone into a different market like UK is actually a tall order. The Chinese brands would rather partner with someone, right? A, a local player who knows the market and consumer a lot better, right? But uh, I, to, to answer the, the question from the original, uh, the origin question, I think uh, your advantage here is you want to be a value-added partner to the Chinese brand, right? So obviously your strength would be your existing network, your, your customer uh, database and so on. But you also uh, want to bring something to the table and you want to work with them to innovate. So, you know, I was talking about, um, there's a lot of innovation in terms of the, the retail format and the sales format. Well, I think some of these, many of these Chinese brands, especially EV brands, would like to bring some of this innovation into the UK market because this is through the innovation, it allows them to overcome uh, the lack of the extensive network. For example, in China, a lot of cars are being sold uh, or rather a large part of the customer buying uh, funnel actually happens online, right? So they would like to work with a local UK retail group that is willing to push the limits, you know, to see whether we can sell cars uh, online. We can sell cars in, in Glitzy shopping mall showroom that might be only 200 square meter and you only have two display car instead of, you know, huge dealerships in the outskirt. I think your ability to persuade a Chinese uh, principal to, to go along and work with you would be your willingness to innovate with them and to work with them at the same time to help them ease the entry barriers into the UK market. Interesting observation there about innovation. Um, I'm going to come, it's, it's not an Ask William session, honestly, but, but William, it's probably relevant to you because of your history um, as, as, a, as a distributor. Marcus Joy, hello, Marcus. Uh, the imminent new Chinese entrants seem to wish to enter with the larger groups as partners. Does this signal the end of new entrants appointing local heroes? Now, William, you'll be familiar with this. It's typically been um, the smaller family groups. I mean, I mean, Mitsubishi was one where there were a lot of smaller groups built up and then they became part of PLCs. Um, is, is this a different strategy, do you think, we're seeing here? Or, or uh, is it the end of those... That, that approach to the market through the family smaller groups? 
I don't think it's the end uh, of that approach, but it, it, it certainly depends on the product that's coming to market and its suitability and where it's going to be sold. Uh, I mean, if you look at some of the, the obviously the EVs coming through uh, and you look at the demographics of where the sales are, where the populations are, it's normally in the cities. You can see the density of EV sales. So ideally, when you're starting up, that's where you want to be to start with. You want to be in those highly densely populated EV uh, areas. Um, so th those those kind of uh, dealer groups are normally more well established in those city centre locations. That's a good starting point, um, but it doesn't mean that the kind of um, the kind of more traditional local family businesses uh, are going to be out uh, of the market in any way. But it's a, it's kind of how the brand will develop uh, in the future. Um, yeah, so. I would say, um, it, yeah, very much dependent on the product. And, go, and going back yeah. to the point about the, the, the value that the retailers add, something uh, Ian uh, picked up on about the, the marketing of it, I think something that's very attractive to new Chinese brands is that uh, local connection that retailers have in their local communities. They've got their own brand equity. They've got their own relationship. They're well recognised in there and well respected in their local areas, so that gives some comfort to customers. If all of a sudden you see a retail group or a partner that you know who's taken new Chinese brand, that that gives quite a lot of comfort, and you see that on on forums quite frequently. They ask uh, who are the kind of partners going to be for these Chinese brands, so that, that's that's very helpful. Al, can I? What do you? Just, um... Go Sorry, ahead, Al. Can I just buy you? if I can in a second, because this is a really good point that um, William's making, because the the consumer today in every data point that we see wants to do probably most of the, their car buying jobs online. Um, that's a clear trend. Digital retailing can enable a, a brand coming into the market to accelerate their plans, their go-to-market plans, because they don't need the same legacy as the past. But what consumers also want is the, the wow factor of you know, turning up at a great retailer, that's going to give them the advice as well as allow them to see the products that they, they're, they're looking at and so on. These are brand new products, so they definitely do need to see them, try them, you know, test them out and uh, get behind the wheel, touch them, et cetera, check the quality as often is talked about. So the link between the digital retailing and the physical retailer experience is vital. But you can clearly see in those who are engaging with digital retailing generally within the market, there are as many, as William said, small, well-embedded family groups, let's say, who are getting really behind that, that challenge and that opportunity, more the latter than the former, as there are big groups. So it's a question of um, mindset. If you're in that mindset, you're adapting to the consumer behavior that we can see is prevalent across all fuel types, but is all the more prevalent in the case of electric vehicles. Look at Polestar and Tesla, how they've succeeded in this, uh, in this arena and so on. And it's only going to go further down that route. But the link to the retailer, I agree with William, is, is vitally useful for the consumer. They need the advice on cars they don't understand. They need to see a product that they've never touched or driven before. It's, that's a key point. In, in Toby, Toby Peters, hi, Toby, um, raises the point, William, how fast will the networks get up to speed to support customers? Exactly what Ian said there, particularly on servicing, if we're bringing in a whole new load uh, of different brands and products. Yeah, well, don't forget, a lot of the um, existing dealers have already got good experience of um, servicing and dealing with electric vehicles. Um, so it's not, it's, not, it's not the biggest challenge. Uh, the infrastructure is already there. 
it's just getting accustomed to that individual technology that's on that vehicle. Um, I think what we have seen in a lot of the Chinese vehicles coming to the market, the level of software is is quite a lot higher than the Western brands. So understanding the infotainment system is probably um, uh, kind of an area where there's a bit of education, but yeah, after sales uh, isn't isn't a particular issue. Are you, do you do you see LCD like commercial vehicle? That's a, a question from Steve Latham. Hi, Steve. Will will we see Chinese like commercial vehicles, say up to three and a half ton, uh, coming to the market as well? Yeah, I believe so. Um, there's there's products in the China market. Um, that would suit our market in the UK. It's just a matter of time, uh, and I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be surprised within the next two years if you'll see a number of uh, Chinese LCVs coming to market, uh, yeah. whether they're vans or pickups, uh, anything in, in that that category. You're watching the Auto Retail Live new brand entrance webinar. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, still time for some more questions and comments. Type them into the webinar or hashtag Aaron Live. Um, back to Shanghai, CK. Um, Andy Carroll um, asked the question, hi, Andy, what market share will Chinese brands account for in the UK? So I think he's looking at kind of a market share by, by nationality, maybe in three or five years. It comes back to the point of timing. So throw a dart in the board. Where do you see us three to five years? Yeah. Well, if I, if I can predict that, I, I think I can make a lot of money for that, right? But um, <laughs> without giving you a very precise number. I was just looking at the latest report coming from UK for September. You have 17% BEV uh, of all new car sales and then another 5% uh, plug-in hybrid. So a total of about 22% uh, electric vehicle of some form or the other, right? Um, that, that actually closely mirrors the, the percentage in China, right? As of May this year, we were looking at 25%. Uh, of all car sales being electric. And then I think towards the end of the year, I'm really surprised we're, we're almost hitting 30%. Now, why is this important? Uh, in the current UK market, the, the supply of uh, pure battery electric vehicles is still rather limited, right? Uh, and what the Chinese players could do is if they're successful uh, in a market entry in the next couple of years, they're going to open the consumer to a lot more choices. And that has to be better for the market, for the consumer. Why? Because we're seeing here, the one of the biggest catalysts for the high percentage of EV adoption among new car sales is that the consumers in China are spoiled for choice in terms of price point, in terms of features, in terms of design, or even, even in terms of passenger vehicles versus LCVs, for example. And, you know, this has to be a good thing when these players and this product come to the UK market because um, you, have to, you have to believe that the supply-driven catalyst will also work among the UK consumer as well, right? So I think if done right, you're going to have these Chinese player uh, not only getting a big percentage of this BEV uh, market share, but it will have the effect of expanding the BEV market share at the uh, at the expense of the ICE market share as well, right? And I think, I truly believe that's going to be a, a, a big win for the UK consumer. Interesting question. Thank you, CK. Uh, Cliff Della. Hi, Cliff. Uh, question about residuals. William, come to you for this. 
What action are the Chinese brands taking around managing uh, residual values? Key part of the business. Yeah, well, I think it, it largely comes from the, the, the product itself. Um, if you think about it, it wasn't too many years ago that Chinese automotive products in the UK didn't have a very good um, reputation for quality. Um, if you look at the Chinese products today, I would say they're higher quality than some of the Western uh, brands, certainly with um, consumers, um, journalists that are actually looking at the vehicles. I and mean, when you look at the reviews um, now, and you can see that borne out by Euro NCAP, um, a lot of the Chinese brands now are getting um, five-star um, ratings, uh, higher than some of the kind of traditional OEMs. Um, so I think that gives confidence to the product that it's going to be a well-built product, reliable. And also I touched on it earlier, the software in the vehicles is um, much, much higher tech than a, a lot of equivalent vehicles. And you could say that to some customers, that's probably too far. But if you're looking at the next generation of customers, so maybe then these vehicles reach the secondhand market in four or five years time, those consumers looking to buy those products are more akin to that kind of technology. If you look at your kind of the younger generations, they like those screens and all the the uh, technology that goes behind it. So I think the um, I think the RVs are going to be in a very good, good place for the Chinese product. But I'm sure Ian will have a better insight into that area than than, than I would. Our time is, is nearly done, um, but what we would like to hear is one thing to take away uh, today from uh, our webinar, thinking about new entrants, thinking about as a retailer what we might want to do to investigate to do the next step. So, William, what would your takeaway from today's webinar be? Uh, well, for anybody that wants to get involved in a Chinese brand, uh, it's very exciting, um, but it's, it's a different franchise opportunity. Uh, and really, you should understand what you're looking to get out of it. So what's your reason for taking on a new EV brand for China? Making sure you get uh, buy-in from all levels, all stakeholders in the business, including uh, the kind of uh, team around you. Mm. And understanding that this is a startup, so it's probably going to require a little bit more resource than you've got in your business. So it's being, being sure that um, you can take on with it in your business and you've got everybody on board in, in, in that journey. And certainly from the retailers that we've partnered with, um, it's been very much a kind of focus of their business. It's been part of their strategy from the start. And, and I think that's that's really important. William Brown, Managing Director of International Motors. Thank you. Ian Plummer, Commercial Director from Auto Trader. Your wise words today are... Uh, firstly, I, I just rebound on the CK's point. The wise word is that I think it's great for the market. It's great for the consumer. That's fundamentally who drives the market, that we've got this uh, burgeoning choice heading our way. Some people are commenting, I can see in the chat and the questions about will we be able to sort of uh, allow this many additional brands to thrive in the UK market? Who knows? Um, but I think what is good is additional choice. CK used the words that in China we're spoilt for choice. In the UK and in Europe, we are not built for choice. Choice is a fundamental factor that drives consideration of any product. And today, the EV market is held back by a lack of choice. So with the consumer benefits, that's great. The brands out there, their message would be, you've got to keep working hard at your awareness and head turning whether you're an established player or uh, you know, one of these you know, players that are benefiting today, we mentioned MG and so on, or a new entrant coming to the market. But for retailers that are on this call, 
I've often been asked, um, last week I was asked, um, what would your advice be to somebody who's on the fence? Mm -hmm. Simple answer would be, get off it. it. It ain't the right place to be. You're in the wrong side of history. Lead change, don't let it happen to you. There are some great partners to get on board with from China. If you're on board with an OEM, an established player, get on board with the electric journey because it is, I think, vital to electrify your business sooner rather than later and lead that change. It is definitely in the glass half full opportunity side of the equation. Time to jump off the fence. Thanks, Ian. And uh, from Shanghai, um, CK, uh, thank you very much, Managing Director of Urban Science. What would your uh, words or thoughts to take away from today be? I think if there's one message I'd like to leave the audience is uh, the Chinese are coming and they are staying on the, for the long haul, right? Uh, so they bring along very good products. Uh, William talks about very digital, very smart product, and they're, going to, they're going to only going to get better, right? Uh, they're also innovating in how cars are being sold uh, in terms of new format and in terms of agency and direct-to-consumer. Uh, and uh, they, they're, they're bringing these products at an amazing value, right? So uh, the cost of uh, many of these Chinese-made vehicles are much cheaper. I think I was told, you know, somewhere between 20 to 30% of the uh, uh, lower than even the Japanese brand. So it's going to benefit your consumer, your customer, and it's, going to, it's only going to benefit you. So, you know, think very much about uh, looking to partner with one of these guys. Our time is done. Thank you very much for joining us uh, today for the Auto Retail Network webinar. Don't forget the report, uh, the basis upon which we've been talking today is now available, um, discounted for members. Um, and if there are colleagues who haven't been able to join this webinar, when you receive your email with the link, uh, they may wish to find it useful to pick up in just 45 minutes um, a complete insight into the market and opportunity. Thank you very much to our guests. Thank you to you for joining us uh, and to Tristan and Guy and the team behind the scenes. Uh, have a good day in the showroom.